peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast, guys, Lunch and Learn series. We are on Chapter 5, CNS Management, Episode 1. So... As ever, this is this is kind of the episode where we try and give you a bit of a, a bit of an introduction, a bit of an idea of, of what the rest of the the chapter or pillar is going to be about. Um, so, as, as George alluded to today, we're talking about the nervous system, which um, is a ridiculously complex uh, topic, and it can get really science heavy and really deep. Um, so, what we're going to try and do is is kind of almost distill it down to provide the the least information possible for you to be able to make sense of everything else that we talk about, if that makes sense. Um, so, so if anybody kind of comes from, uh, it's like a, a neuroscience or an ex-phys background, um, and, and this sort of sounds overly reductionist, we are trying our best to strike that balance between getting you the, the kind of the background information, but not making this a three hour kind of uh, post-grad, <laughs> post-grad level lecture. Um, so starting with the human nervous system, um, Basically, it's split between the central, the CNS, as you, as you might have heard it, and the peripheral, which is the PNS nervous system. Uh, so the CNS, the central nervous system, as the name suggests, covers both the, the brain and the spine. So all the kind of the computing horsepower, whilst the para, the uh, sorry, the peripheral, PNS, uh, that kind of is, is more focused on taking impulses to and from the rest of the body. So basically linking up that brain and spine with the rest of the system. From there, we're going we're gonna to dive more into the peripheral nervous system and break that down a little bit more. The, the PNS consists of both the somatic and the autonomic nervous system. So the somatic side of the, uh, the nervous system is basically everything that's voluntary within the system, so like under your control. Uh, and that's going to include both like sensory, so feeling stuff, detecting stuff, but also the, the motor or muscular control actions. Um, and these are referred to as afferent with an A and efferent nervous, uh, nervous systems, respectively. You might come across them in that sense. Okay, bear with me. We're almost there. The autonomic nervous system then breaks down further, um, and, and that's kind of where we're, where we're going to pursue. So that system is, is largely uh, unconscious and sort of takes care of like general day-to-day admin or, or running of the body. Within that system, we have three strands. So we have the parasympathetic, the sympathetic, which those names probably sound familiar to you, and then the enteric nervous system, which basically kind of governs governs the the GI, like the gastrointestinal tract. Um, Looking at at like how the enteric nervous system and and kind of gut health impact on performance and and things like that is really, really interesting. Um, But that's like a whole different rabbit hole that we'll we'll jump down another time for you. So today we're just going to stick with the the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous systems. Um, So to kind of link back to what George was, was, how George introduced the chapter at the start, what we're going to focus on uh, on today in in this episode in particular is effectively how we can utilize the the autonomic nervous system via the the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system in order to affect recoverability and the functioning of the central nervous system right back at the at the top of all this i hope that's not too confusing i'll uh, i'll try and slap some show notes together hopefully to make a little bit more sense of it um but i'll i'll hand over to george to talk kind of specifically about the the parasympathetic and, and sympathetic nervous systems Oh my God, I was, uh, I was chomping at the bit there. No, welcome guys to the show. 
I'm excited about today. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm really happy that we just did that, Matt. Thank you for leveling us up and making us look very professional. I appreciate you, dude. <laughs> Rock on. Now let's go ahead and start pairing the science and the experience into there, right? Um, so first off, guys, the reason why we put CNS management into the pillars is because, as you heard with Matt, it's the overarching thing to how we go ahead and feel what our body is doing. And, and I think that's such a lost um, art nowadays. We, we're so living in so much pain or our bodies are always at a heightened state of sympathetic state, in which we'll get into that here in a minute. But what I found, you know, by looking at the central nervous system and understanding, you know, how the autonomic nervous system works and how the parasympathetic system works and how the sympathetic system works, it really kind of gave us an insight to where ultimately stress is stress, no matter what it is. Our body perceives it in multiple different ways and our system processes it in a very dynamic way. And, and it's really hard to kind of understand that if you really don't have anything associated to it or connected to it. And one thing that really drove that home for me was what opened the door to understanding CNS management even more was heart rate and heart rate variability. And and what that did, it allowed for me to understand really what the parasympathetic state was and the sympathetic state was. And before we drive into heart rate variability and heart rate, I'm going to go ahead and cover a little bit about what is the parasympathetic state. Parasympathetic state is going to be your rest and recovery and your digest system, meaning that's where your body is maintained at homeostasis when you're not, you know, constantly working or me doing this podcast. Currently right now, I'm in a specific uh, sympathetic state that's giving me the arousal to have this conversation. Afterwards, I probably would do something to help get my parasympathetic state down to kind of get me back to balance to where my body can function normally. I can get about my day. Now, when we go ahead and look at the sympathetic state, the sympathetic state is going to be your fight or, or flight or your freeze type pathway or branch the way you want to go ahead and look at it. And, and what am I talking with that? And it's really simple. When I was to go ahead and start talking and do something like that. And if that scared you, you might notice you had a, a sense of alertness go into your body. Well, what we did there was we just demonstrated a first phase in the general adaptation syndrome, which is your counter shock phase to shock phase. From there, your body then naturally in that moment recognizes if it's a threat or not. And then it just makes the decision, do I go ahead and now get into that fight? Where in the general adaptation syndrome, that's your resistance phase, where that's where you learn to maintain stress at a certain level to do what you're doing right now. Well, you only can last at a certain intensity and a certain and a certain amount of volume for a certain duration. And then from there, you start to go into this exhaustion phase where it takes quite a bit of time to get out of that and get back into a recovery phase and back to homeostasis. Well, the central nervous system, the autonomic nervous system, the PNS, the parasympathetic state and the sympathetic state, all of those things is what's helping your body get back to that homeostasis after experiencing that stressor from an internal or an external perspective. So as we've covered that now, you know when we go ahead and talk about this, and a prime example could be, and everyone laughs about it, but hey, when an anim when a lion chases a cheetah, both of those individuals are in a very sympathetic state, right? Once the kill is made and once all that's done and whoever wins will go about themselves and go and look for recovery, meaning they're now gonna go and find a place where they can rest, recover, and digest from the sympathetic 
resistance phase they were just in. Well, obviously the an other animal that got killed is no longer alive and that's gone. But you can see the two differences there. That's at an extreme. Now let's go ahead and break that down from, you know, that was a <laughs> 300 foot view of the, of the animal species and the way the kingdom works. Let's bring this out to a 13,000 foot view where we look at just the idea of where stress comes from. And, and, and that's actually a really good question. A lot of people were like, well, what is stress? And in simple terms, we can go ahead and break them down into three different variations of stress. And those three variations will end up becoming a physical stress, such as increase in oxygen demands as a secondary, right? To go ahead and get the system to move and exercise, right? That's what we call our warm up in the soft lead programming, your movement prep. We're now getting yourself set up for that. And then you will also see yourself have environmental stresses. Your body's always changing to temperature, to elevation, to noise. That's why it's really cool sometimes you can use music to go ahead and having to have a change in your in your ans your your parasympathetic state and your sympathetic state and then when we go from there now is we can go ahead and go into our psychological stress so you know increased fear anxiety uh you start feeling different emotions that kind of puts you in that position those are kind of the stresses we can look at and when you look at those stressors all of those things now have branches outside of it as sub stressors and that's just your day-to-day -day type things and it's really interesting to go ahead and look at like everyone doesn't realize that everything we do in our day is a micro stressor and how our body reacts to it. Mm -hmm. Right. So think about that. If someone who, who is in a very high sympathetic state could be from I'm working at nine to five, I come home and then I have to then train for two hours and then I go ahead and jump in and get some dinner in. And then I'm hanging out with my wife now, like no kids, right? I don't want to throw that in just saying that's a lifestyle. And then all of a sudden now I'm in bed by 10 PM. I wake up again at 5 AM so I can get another training session in, go to work and do it all over again. Like over time, those stressors, right? Like if you're not used to doing that for somebody that becomes an overstressor that, that, starts to fill the cup in a negative way. Some people might see that as that's my normal baseline and that's where I operate. And, and, and okay, cool, awesome. That's what you need in the time period. But anything above that, guess what ends up also happening? I, I think it's worth saying as well that, that people, obviously we know individual differences. We always talk about N equals one. Like people, people perceive stresses very differently. So it might be that, say if we were, if we were hanging out and, and you decided that tra the training session today is gonna be a 15, 20K run, that would put the fear of God into me. And I would be like, I would be red line <laughs> nine or 10 out of 10 in terms of discomfort and RP, but it might be something that's, that's really easy for you. And it's, it's almost something that relieves stress. Um, and, and it's, it's kind of, it's understanding, I think, uh, as, as an individual, as you, but also in terms of if you're, if you're a coaching perspective, it's understanding that for your, for you slash your athletes, what do they, what do they perceive to be stressful? That's kind of as yep. important as like, what is it like on paper? That's correct, right? And that's where that you, you're you able to understand that individual from from a, a further out view than just yeah, the training like a humanistic session. approach. I think because 100% a humanistic approach. That's exactly what it is. When we go and look at from the sports psychology world, yeah, that's exactly what it is, but I'm tying it into my physical strength and conditioning programming, meaning that I'm basing my training sessions off my sets, my loads, my volume, my intensity, all those things based off what I know about that athlete. And that's, and that's kind of the thing where, you know, when we write these programs for Softleet, you know, we take into account like what some of these things can do to an individual. And then we take it from an account Well, we've lived that life of being a tactical professional. We know what's realistic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. We know that. And at the same time though, 
at the end of the day, we could keep going back to this idea of the human first, the profession second. We know as humans ourselves that, hey, we're all busy doing stuff. Maybe training for two and a half, three hours a day, you know, per per seven days a week, five, six days a week is might might not be what I need and might actually be hurting me. Maybe if I should go and do six hours of full volume and intensity throughout the week. Because at the end of the day, this goes back to what is CNS management? What am I tracking overall? Right? I'm bringing it full circle here is the heart. We talked about the heart before in the past. And I think it's the reason why we really pushed a lot of it was because when I look at the heart, the heart is the, is the, is the organ in our body that has every single, <laughs> you know, wiring that goes into it for it to understand what's going yeah. on. So that is my main point in which I can read the central nervous mm. system. Now, granted, the literature and, and the research on it is very, very up and down in terms of what is right and what is wrong because you know how early, it, it you know when heart rate um, monitoring started? I'm, I'm guessing early, kind of maybe early 18th century, something like that, where they sort of... No. Well, so yes, they, they, they did that, right? They, that's how they wanted to measure it, but they never had anything really to go ahead and have the first wireless mm, yeah, yeah. piece of monitoring this on in, in external environments such as sports yeah. and clinical settings and all those kinds of things. Everything was just a a a, a measurement. And I don't know, Almost from... I was going to say agent. kind of very like yeah. very uh, it's very lab based, very kind of isolation based. Whereas I guess the, the magic of 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 it from a performance perspective is seeing it in the applied setting, like now a track heart rate Correct. to respond to a sprint or to a agility drill or something like that. And and that's and that's the huge piece here is because now we're just we're getting insights of the human and what stressors are causing the human to go ahead and have these undulations of sympathetic and parasympathetic states right cuz that's what actually causes problems when we're having these massive undulations where or if i'm spending too much time in a sympathetic state for multiple days and all of a sudden i've only spent a day in parasympathetic and then i'm back at it you're you're hurting yourself there over mm -hmm. time and what we've found is that you people can live a specific lifestyle they need to live that lifestyle that's part of their job well then it's like learning again coming back to this contra warrior system we're learning how to go ahead and then read what the heart is doing so then we can go ahead and make adjustments as well down the road or create and collect patterns when there is a major stressor that yeah, pops out yeah definitely and then we can be like yeah Skirt. You know i was going to say well, i know we're, we're going to kind of dive into this a little bit more in, in episode two where traditionally we look at kind of the the relevance of whatever we're talking about to the tactical community but but just really quick while we're while we're on this I think it's really important to to kind of to to jump on this idea that actually being purely in this in this as George was saying kind of in a parasympathetic state like being purely on that end of the continuum all the time probably isn't that that's not what we're recommending I mean we we kind of we're bombarded a bit with that in in social media this idea of everybody being zen all yes. the time and how you should be really chilled out we know for our particularly for our community that's not that's not what we want that's not yeah. functional in quotations um and, uh, and, and, and yeah so we're, we're definitely not suggesting that like i said we'll, we'll get into that more next next episode definitely and, and and real quick too guys the reason why we're talking about the central nervous system in this way is be, because we want to bring a very strong foundation to when we do open this door to the practical application and how we can go ahead and adjust from our eyes and our lens as a softly human performance team to really show like, hey, this is what we've been working on and this is why we're doing it and why we're tied to it. So again, understand like when we're talking about heart rate and heart rate variability, it is very mm -hmm. new. 
in terms of it being tracked. And again, the literature and the research behind it is very undulated because again, there's so many different conversations behind, you know, is this the right way along with the type of devices in which they're using. So just understand, guys, when, you, when we're looking at bio wearables or biofeedback wearables, understand that you have to take some of this also with, okay, cool, it's giving me an insight, but it's not the mm -hmm. absolute. And that's what I want to go ahead and say and understand that, you know, when we go ahead and use heart rate and, and, and heart rate variability, it is the most simplest way for us to go ahead and get a number to pair to something to allow for us to get and understand the most complex and sensitive interplay between, you know, the, the external environment and the dynamic biological systems of the human mm -hmm. being. And that's the cool part about it. But again, it's not the absolute. And I just want you guys to understand that's where we're also standing, at least from yeah, my perspective. Yeah, I think, I think it's like a similar, a similar kind of a uh, parallel could be drawn with something like endurance performance. Like you can, you can kind of monitor and track, say your, your 10 K time and, and that's that's great. That's fine. It's probably not going to correlate one to one with a lab based VO two max test. But kind of a, a, again, right. like we talked about right at the start, we're 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 so um, I guess much more focused on the applied side of things. Like, so what? How can it affect you guys? Yeah. So the the flip side to what what George is saying, and obviously everything has a flip side, is that because wearables and, and technology now is so accessible. Uh, like prices are down, technology is relatively good. We just, as a as a speciality, as a specialism within human performance and strength and conditioning, we just got to figure out how to use it better. I think um, it means that it's it yep. tra like like George was saying, tracking something like heart rate variability can be a br a, a great way of of uh, interpreting like what's going on with that within that nervous system. Something that was previously sort of shrouded in mystery and complexity is something we can actually get a pretty good handle on now. Correct. And not even just that, just from the resting heart rate perspective, because I understand a lot of people, I don't want to get into it. Cool. Don't worry about it. But we can also see a lot with just resting mm, heart yeah. rate. So in the next coming shows, we'll go ahead and talk a little bit about what those, what those types of resting heart rates um, can do, especially when it, they have quite a bit of undulations and we catch those patterns. And honestly, it's not that we're utilizing and so stuck on heart rate and heart rate variability. What we're actually trying to look for is this acute and chronic stressors that are, are within the system. And then what happens is it gives us an insight again to when we have major stressors or what or, or something else happens, we can then adjust training from there or at least give ideas how to adjust training from there. And you know, coming from the, from the app side of the house, right? That's the same thing we're trying to do through the coach as well is to bring that to them. And it's a slow process, but that's the reason why, again, we wanna share these things because we really believe it has a strong, powerful, um, reliability that can give you a lot of insights to just knowing your body without having to look at a number over time. Sick. Well, that's it for episode one. We will catch you on episode two.